Well, good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be with you. Merry Christmas. Who is ready for Christmas? Anyone? <laughs> a couple of you? I've heard a few of you that you've been celebrating all month anyway, so that's a good way to do it. Well, we're moving farther into the Advent season, and today we are going to be celebrating the theme of love, as you have noticed. And as we've been celebrating these themes of hope, joy, peace, and love, one of the things I've wanted to do in this sermon series is, is look at how these themes of the gospel fulfill some of these feelings of void and emptiness that we have in our lives. And even as we look at the theme of love today, so often when we think of love, uh, what comes to mind is feelings of butterflies and happiness and joy and satisfaction. And yet, on the other hand, love itself can also create some of the deepest voids in our life, can't they? When, when we love someone and they pass away and they're gone, it leaves a deep void. When we love someone and they betray us and hurt us, it causes this deep sense of void and emptiness. When we love someone and yet they move away or they distance themselves, we have this deep void experienced in our life. And sometimes we, when we feel those rejections or betrayals or those who have hurt us that we love, again, love brings this deep sense of void. And one thing we realize then is that to love is to be vulnerable, isn't it? To love is to make ourselves vulnerable, completely. When we love something, we open up the possibility of experiencing pain. Who here has been hurt by someone or something that they have loved? All of us. In many forms, in many fashions, in many ways. When we love something, we open up the possibility of our hearts being broken. When we love something, we open up the possibility of rejection. When we love something, we open up the possibility of betrayal. When we love something, it actually makes us incredibly vulnerable creatures because there is no way to have a meaningful relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. And so think about right now, what are some of the most loving relationships that you have in your life? What are the most important relationships that you have in your life? It's probably perhaps your parents. It's probably your children. Maybe it's cousins or a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a close friend. Now process all those relationships those are the people that we experience the deepest love from in this world. And yet, have you experienced hurt from any of those people before? Yeah. Because when we love, we open us ourselves up to this deep vulnerability. Now, many in those relationships, especially parents and children, we expect these people to love us, and yet they still cause pain. We experience the vulnerability of love. And what I want to focus on this morning is that as we celebrate this theme of love and Advent, we often use the language, especially this morning, how we, we expect God to love us and God tells us that He loves us and that we read Scripture and the story of God continually telling us over and again how much He loves His creation, yet do we realize the extent that God actually went 
to love us. Because God himself actually became vulnerable in showing love for us. When we celebrate the Christmas story, when we examine the story of God becoming flesh, God coming to seek and save the lost, God coming to save humanity through the death, burial, and resurrection, we forget that this is all out of God's love, which made him incredibly vulnerable. And even before the incarnation, when we go back to creation itself, when God created out of love, he created the possibility for him to be rejected, didn't he? God created the possibility for him to experience pain. God created the possibility for him to find betrayal from the very thing he created and loved. And so when we talk about God's love at Christmas, we're not just talking about God's affection for us and His His love, the sort of happy, joyous expression that we often talk about. We're talking about God's very nature willing to become vulnerable to experience pain and betrayal and rejection for us. It's a beautiful thing that we acknowledge, yet a harsh reality. And so let's take our focus off ourselves and, and, and focus on God for a second. Do we, do we, first of all, do we believe that God is love? Yes and amen, right, church? And, and we read this in so many passages of Scripture, and the, probably the most famous one, the most talked about in Scripture, the most quoted one is John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. In other words, when we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate the coming of King Jesus to this world, we're celebrating, first of all, God's love, which motivated the Christmas story. And it says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, for God did not send his Son into the world to do what? Not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And this is the narrative that God is bringing up. Now, the text says, God so loved the world. Now, here's an important question. Who here expects God to love them? Anyone? <laughs> we expect a lot of people to love us, don't we? Maybe, maybe our parents. Who expects their parents to love them? Right? That's sort of a natural instinct. Who expects their kids to love them? Right? Sort of sometimes, Right? Maybe your brother or your sister or family or relatives or close friends. We expect all those people to love us. And yet broaden that perspective a little bit. Let's look at some of global leaders. Who expects Justin Trudeau to love them? Anyone? Not many, right? Who expects Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers to love them? All right, it's, it's outside of our concept and understanding of loving relationships, Right? So let's broaden that, and we're just talking about local context here. Let's broaden that to God himself, the king of all creation, the sovereign majestic one. The, 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 we as people who have rejected God and betrayed him and pushed against him and rebelled against him, do we really expect God to love us? Can we expect God to love us? See, here's what blows my mind. We, we read this, this text in John 3.16. 
But every time I read this text, I always remember what I read two chapters before because here's what we read at the beginning of the Gospel of John, just two chapters before this one. It says, The true light, referring to Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Again, this is the Christmas narrative. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not do what? Did not receive him. In other words, the very creator of the universe, the very creator of humanity, comes to humanity who has caused pain and betrayal and rebellion against God. And out of love, he comes to them. And yet, what do we see humanity do? Reject. Reject. And not even simply passively reject God, but literally bring Jesus to crucifixion. And so we see this crazy narrative of Scripture which tells us over and over again that the creator and sustainer of the cosmos, the holy, glorious, glorious God, came into the world simply to be rejected by his own creation. His own creation turns against him and rejects him and wants nothing to do with him. And that's only the start of the story. The reality is there is nothing lovable about humanity. There is nothing lovable about us, and yet, because of who God is, a couple laters we read, for God so loved the world. He loved His creation. God loves us. And so Christmas tells us how, how deep the vulnerability of God goes. How deep God was willing to open himself up to pain and rejection and betrayal. It tells us how God became so breakable and fragile. God literally became someone that we could hurt. Why? Because he loves us. Out of love. He was willing to engage that relationship. And so again, we we see in this Gospel of John, we see that God so loves the world. In God's Gospel, we see the, the phrase the world, and it's used in a very specific way. When John 3.16 talks about the world, we're, we're not talking about numerical numbers here. We're not talking about how many humans there are in this world. But this concept of world in this passage is an ethical concept. It's, it's a moral concept. It's a way to talk about human beings rejecting God. It's a phrase that John uses to talk about the world that has rejected their creator. And, and what it's referring and referencing is, is talking about how we as humans simply live our lives wanting to be God. Jesus comes as king and yet we reject him because we want to be king. We want to control our own lives. We want to dictate what is right and wrong. We want to dictate what meaning and purpose and value is in this world. And so we reject God. And so what did the world deserve then? And this is where John 1.9 talks about it. What does the world then deserve? What does God have to clarify that he didn't come to do? Condemnation. 
See, we, we, we read over that phrase pretty quickly in John 1, 9 and 10 when, when God has to say, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Why would he have to remind us of that? Because what do we deserve? We deserve condemnation. And so this is God telling us, this is what you deserve. This is everything that your actions have shown, which should be the result of me condemning you. I am your creator. I am the king of the cosmos, and yet you have rejected me. You absolutely deserve condemnation. And yet, what do we see? We see God instead showing love. And this is what the world does in John thinking. It's, it's a way, again, to talk about the sin and depravity of a world that has rejected God. And yet we read, for God so loves the world. Again, to love is to be vulnerable. To love is to open yourself for rejection. To love is to create the potential for pain in your life. And so where do we see the measure of God's love for us? The measure of God's love for us. Again, think of verse 16 again. For God loved the world that he sent his one and only son, which means that the love of God is measured by what? Jesus. Jesus and what he has done. The Jesus who before he became titled, named Jesus, the eternal son who was already one with the Father and the perfect triune relationship with the Holy Spirit, and now we see the Father gives the Son for us. That's how much He chooses to love us. And so during this time of Advent and Christmas, we're celebrating the coming of Jesus into human history. We are celebrating the fact that the King of all creation, the King over all things, left His place of splendor, left His place of glory, left his place of adoration, left his place of perfect relationship as the triune God, simply to submit himself to the brutality and rejection of this world. Now, why would the creator who is sovereign, why would the sustainer of the universe become subject to his own creation? Why would the eternal God take on the nature and flesh of humanity? And the overarching answer to that question throughout all of Scripture is simply because God loves us. This is the love that is displayed in Christ. Here is love. This is how much we are beloved by God. This is the extent to which God has done. Now, some of us struggle with this concept of how do we know God truly loves us? We look at the reality that we do deserve condemnation. We look at the reality of our own sin. We look at the ways that in many forms and fashions that we have failed God, that we have rejected God in our life, that we haven't done things as we ought to. There's been so many things in all of our lives that remind us over and over again, I don't deserve God's love. And so some of us can go to the mindset that I don't deserve God's love and therefore I could never accept God's love. I can never experience God's love. 
uh, God can't love me because of all the horrible things I've done or the past or the continued struggles that I have. And, and Jesus tells us something in light of that. And the gospel reminds us of something. Because when we feel that fear of being forsaken by God, when we feel that fear of that God can't truly love me, the gospel reminds us of something else. Because God cannot forsake us. Why? Because someone already experienced the forsakenness of God. Who is that? Jesus on the cross. See, Jesus says, you're, you're afraid that God will forsake you? You're afraid that God will stop loving you? And Jesus says, on the cross, I was forsaken. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God experienced the Father turning his back on him. And so Jesus' forsakenness means that no matter what you have done, God will never forsake you. No matter what, he will not forgive us or forsake us. God was forsaken. Jesus was forsaken so that we would not be. Now, now, just meditate this on for a minute. Meditate on this. Everyone you love will in some form or fashion cause you pain, right? That's just part of a loving relationship is when we make ourselves vulnerable, we open ourselves to rejection and pain and hurt. Everyone in lo you love in some way will cause you pain. Someone will forsake you in some way. Yet think of this. God is the only relationship we have in this world. God is the only relationship that we could ever experience who fully loves us and will never cause us pain. God is the only relationship where He can fully love us and we will never be forsaken. God is the only one who will fully love us and we will never experience betrayal or rejection or pain from Him. See, God gifts us with this love, this never-ending love, this love that is conditioned only on what Christ has done on our behalf. And that gives us delight to experience His affection and to abide in His love. And so this is the love that God has lavished upon us. This is the gift that God has given us. And this is truly what we celebrate at Christmas. And so I want to just spend some time now out of this in reflection and prayer and celebration. And I want us just as a church to, to celebrate this gift of love that God has given us and just in a corporate way. And I just want you to say this phrase, I know God loves me because... And we're just going to spend a communal time of celebration and prayer. Whenever you're comfortable, whenever you're ready, just say, I know God loves me because, and fill in the blank. And so I'm going to open that up to you guys, and then I'll close us in prayer. But I know God loves me because. And you online and at home, you guys can do this in your homes as well. But let's just reflect and celebrate God's love together. Let me pray. Gracious Father,
We come before you as the God of love. And we celebrate you as such. We come before you as creatures who do not deserve your love, who deserve condemnation. And yet because of who you are, because you are love, you have so radically become vulnerable to build relationship, to redeem us, to seek and save those who are lost, to restore those who have rejected you, to forgive those who have rebelled against you, and Lord, to reconcile those who have betrayed you. And Lord, we are truly grateful. We, we are here this morning simply in celebration and in awe of who you are and what you have done. Lord, we, we come around this room and we hear testimony on testimony. We hear evidence upon evidence of you as a God of love. And Lord, we simply come before you to acknowledge that and to celebrate that. Lord, we know there's many stories that could be told. There's many more things that could be said. We know that we're going to be spending eternity celebrating who you are and what you have done. And so we thank you for giving this space and time here and now to simply come and get a taste of what we will experience for eternity. Lord, we celebrate that you are a God who has loved us first and foremost and in turn given us even the ability to be people of love. And so we pray that as we celebrate who you are, that you in turn would transform us. And that as we experience your life, love, we would become a loving people. Lord, we, we realize that even to love in our own power and our strength isn't even possible. Lord, we are a people who push away from vulnerability. We push away from rejection. We push away from pain and betrayal. And yet you are a God who entered right into it. And you set a path before us of love. And so we pray that we as a church body, we as a family would be a people who walk the path of love. No matter what it costs us, no matter the pain that we open ourselves to, no matter, no matter the vulnerability that comes, Lord, let us simply be a people of love. And so reveal to us this week as we enter into Christmas celebration, remind us what love truly looks like and give us the power by your spirit to be a loving people. We thank you, God, for this gift. And it's in the name of Jesus we celebrate this gift. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.